That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. My name is Les. I am your host, and I am so happy to be sharing this space with you today. And if you happen to be listening to this episode as soon as it's released, Happy New Year. It's our first episode of 2021. We made it through 2020. And here we are. We're in a new year. I mean, we're we're still dealing with a lot of the same things, but I think it does feel good to just be in a new calendar year, a new space, a new energy, a new age. We can maybe exhale a little bit. We still have plenty of work and things ahead of us, but it feels pretty good to exhale. In the Balanced Black Girl virtual community called Guided, which if you have not joined us, make sure you do so. We are actually only keeping the doors open for a short while longer. Doors are currently open now through January 11th, and then after January 11th, the doors are going to be closing for a bit so that we can really focus on our community and the folks who are in it. So if you have not yet joined Guided, it's the perfect place to get your wellness on point in the new year. We have events, we have workshops, we have meditations, we have journal prompts, we have community, we have everything you need to take care. And... You can also connect with the amazing women who we featured on the podcast because we will have former podcast guests coming into the community, teaching monthly workshops, diving deep into topics that they introduced on the podcast, giving you a chance to ask them questions. So if you listen to the episode and you're like, Les, you, you didn't ask the question I wanted you to ask, join Guided, join the community, take part in these workshops, and you can get to ask the questions. So you can go to community.balanceblackgirl.com to join the guided community today. Again, it's only going to be open until January 11th, and then we aren't going to be opening the doors again until much later in the year. So if you've been on the fence thinking about joining our guided community, now is the time to do it. Just a couple days ago, we had our New Year's party in the community where we did some goal setting, we did some manifestation setting, and we supported one another. And it was so beautiful. We've all really been through it over the past year, but to just be in a space where people are still supporting one another and are so hopeful and just have so much love for themselves and one another is such a beautiful thing. And I'm so honored to share that space. And later this month within Guided, we are going to have a workshop with our podcast guest, Michelle White, who is an incredible self-care educator. She's a therapist. She's a social worker. She's going to be leading a monthly workshop of how to update your self-care routine when it's not working on January 20th. So again, make sure you get into Guided at community.balanceblackgirl.com before January 11th when we close the doors so that you can take part in that incredible workshop. 
So speaking of sisterhood, speaking of community, speaking of just people genuinely supporting one another and holding one another down, I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Our guest today is Letitia Roll, who is an entrepreneur. She is a podcast host of Girl, We Got This. She is an actress. She is just such an incredible person and community builder. She was actually one of the first people that I met when I first moved to LA, what feels like forever ago, and I just connected with her immediately. I met her at this event. I think it was like a beauty expo event or something. Honestly, being at real life events feels like it was so long ago. And we just started chatting and immediately I was like, I want to be your friend and I want you to come on my podcast because I got just like a little taste of her story at that event, just first meeting her. And I was like, we got to link up and be friends and connect further. And I was honored to be a guest on her podcast, Girl, We Got This, last year which Girl We Got This is a really wonderful podcast all about helping women tell their stories. And it's really about building solid community and female empowerment in a way that doesn't feel cheesy. Because I think we've all seen where people say that they're women supporting women, even though they do anything but. And there's just so much more to it than saying it. You have to really be about it. And Letitia is one of those people who is truly about it. We talk about self-love, about coming back to yourself, about recovering from heartbreak and navigating the ups and downs and challenges of life in this episode. Her story is beautiful and resonated deeply with me, and I hope it resonates with you as well. So let's jump into the conversation with Letitia. Letitia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, you beautiful woman. I'm so stoked. I'm so excited. This episode has been a long time coming, and I'm glad that it's it's finally happening. Yeah, I've been patiently waiting this. I'm excited. <laughs> I know. Well, when I first met you, pretty much like the first thing I said was like, can you come on my podcast when yeah. I first met you like a year ago? And so I'm so glad that it's like just the timing that it's all working out. I remember the first time we met and I was like, she's so sweet and special. And then like we had you on the podcast and go, we got this. And now it's here. Full circle always. Such a full circle moment. Yes. yes, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to have you here because when I first met you, I truly just felt like you were one of the most genuine, kind people I'd ever met. So getting to introduce you to the Balanced Black Girl community is just super, super exciting. So I would love to start off by just allowing our listeners to get to know you better, sharing a little bit more of your story and maybe some of the the really defining moments for you that have brought you to where you are today. Yeah. So, I mean, we can start from the core. I always start from my childhood because that defines really who you are and I, I think your path, right? So I am from a small town. I was born and raised by two parents. Um, my mother was 17. My, bro- my father was 18 when he had me. My mom's white. My father's black and Puerto Rican. So I'm mixed. Um, my mother then had, what? She had four kids by the time she was 26. Wow. And then she raised my dad's daughter, who's older than us. She's my sister. So she had five kids by the time she was 26. Wow. Um, it was really cool. We lived in a small house. It was a three-bedroom house, one bath, but seven of us. Um, so we were all really tight literally on top of each other sometimes. <laughs> and um, yeah, Massachusetts was home and it was a cool, fun childhood. Sports became my life because we were lower middle class. It was crazy now looking back because I'm like, as an adult, understanding how my mother and father like had everything for us, like food on the table every night, clothes on our back every night. And it was five of us and it was just two of them. And I'm like, yo, how did they even do that? Seriously. I mean, we were on programs growing up, like we were on WIC, we had support from the like communities. My, my mother was with the government programs that she could, you know, afford at the time. And uh, it still blows my mind, you know? So sports was our way out, my way out specifically, because I love my small town, but I could not wait to get out of it. So basketball was my sport of choice. I played everything though. And I got a scholarship, went to college um, at Eckerd College on a basketball scholarship, St. Petersburg, Florida. 
Les, when I went there, <laughs> I'll never forget. There was a man-made beach on campus, but the girls team sucked. And my dad was like, are you really going to go there? Like these other schools are better. And I'm like, dad, first of all, there's a beach on campus. <laughs> Beach down the street, <laughs> and I could party in Tampa. I was like, I'm gone. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my childhood. And then college led me to St. Petersburg, Florida. And then I actually had a career ending injury. I blew up my knee my junior year mm. and I couldn't play anymore. I wanted to hoop overseas. That kind of ended with that injury. And then I got scouted by an agent. So, I started modeling my senior year. And when I graduated, I graduated with a degree in business management and communications, a minor in Spanish. And I bounced to Miami and I got signed with Wilmina. And then I was living this model party life for, what, a couple of years. I was in Miami, South Africa, New York, Atlanta, modeling and acting and being free and learning and being broke as heck and like having a side hustle. I was um, serving at restaurants on the side, you know, it was a hustle. But I wouldn't take any of that back, you know? Yeah. And what, I mean, wow, what to grow up in a small town and then have all of these experiences where all of a sudden you're all over the world and just living this lifestyle that's so vastly different than where you Mm -hmm. came from. Like, what was that like? You know, I always knew I was going to do that. I remember writing down in like history class, I'd be so damn bored and I'd be like, I can't wait to go to Greece. I can't wait to live in Africa. Like, I can't wait to do all these things because. I knew I wanted to see the world. I just didn't know how I was going to do it, Mm. you know? And it was such a gift. College was such a gift to me. It opened my eyes to so many things. Like I was so far from my family and being in a new space with no friends, I was like, what am I doing? But thank God for sport because sport creates community. And I always had like bomb ass girls around me. So my basketball team was my, my community. And then I knew I wanted to travel. And then work, literally God universe, like allowed me to live my childhood visions out in real life. So it was like, I was dreaming. Like I can think of some of the craziest shit that I did last. I remember living (laughs) in South Africa. I was dating this hot Brazilian guy. And I remember going to this party. I love reggae. Went to this reggae party. And he was like, you want to go to like the ocean and watch the whales? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He, I was like, yeah, let's go. And like, I remember we slept on the beach. And I woke up to whale. We were whale watching. I was That's like, incredible. Like a it casual was like, <laughs> night out. <laughs> I was like living my dreams. So mm-hmm. it was, it was cool. And I think being mixed and being so interested in culture, mm-hmm. I'm capable of adapting. And I adapt to situations. And I'm kind of this chameleon because nobody knows what I am. They don't know if I'm Brazilian. I get that often or Cape Verde. They don't know if I'm black. They don't know if I'm white. Right. So like being who I am kind of like allows me to just kind of blend. Yeah. So traveling for me is kind of like this really cool space where I feel like I'm like a blank slate mm-hmm. and I just get to kind of like take in everything around me. And I do in all areas that I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Like you just get to go and you get to immerse yourself and experience these, yeah. all these different things. Yeah. I think also what you just shared is really beautiful. I mean, I, I have plenty of friends who are mixed or biracial and a lot of things that I will hear them say, or a lot of experiences that I'll hear mixed people say is they felt like they weren't this enough or they felt like they weren't bad enough. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so beautiful about what you just explained or how you just described yourself and your experience, you're able to be all of those things. Yes. And I think that's just such a beautiful reframe from feeling like you're not enough of something. It's like, actually, you are all of it. Mm-hmm. I feel your, your friends that feel that because there was a point where I did feel that. And mm-hmm. sometimes I still do as an adult mm-hmm. because of my skin color, right? But you actually are everything, which is the gift. And I was gifted because my father made sure I knew every part of my culture. So like my grandfather was from the Bahamas. I remember he took all of us out to the Bahamas when we were young. I met all of my family, my family in Brooklyn, they're black. Like I was there with them every Thanksgiving. I was with my Puerto Rican family every year celebrating New Year's, my white side, my mother's side. We were there every other month. You know what I mean? So I was indulged into these worlds. 
So I thank God for my dad for that. Because of that, I was able to be like, I am everything, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. I do with work as an actor and model, I'm not enough because mm-hmm. when they want a black girl, I'm not black enough. And when they want a white girl, they don't even look at me. Yeah. So it's this interesting paradigm that we have to, you know, walk on, but you got to choose how you want to walk it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want a mixed girl, I'll be there. Because guess what? When they want a black girl, I don't even want them to choose me sometimes because you need a black girl. Mm-hmm. I'm a mixed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. honoring that has changed my my mind too, because I think that's another space where a lot of clients need to understand, you know, we need to start showing black girls and mixed girls and like, you know what I mean? And honoring everybody's culture. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such a, a good point that you make there. And I'm curious what those experiences have been like for you working in spaces that are so heavily dependent on labels or on fitting into a certain box. How has that impacted kind of how you take care of yourself, how you make sure that you're grounded if you have people who are constantly trying to, to label you or define you? Yeah, it's very interesting because you have to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And it took me until this year, I'm 32 years old, to finally understand who I am and that other people don't define me. Not booking that job doesn't define me. Not being black enough for this job that I really want does not define me. So it wasn't until I discovered self, which took a lot of therapy and a lot of workshops and a lot of work and a lot of alone time and a lot of crying and grieving. Now I'm able to not get in that sad state of not being enough for these clients and these people, you know, there are times when, for instance, when I lived in New York and I was modeling and they, you know, they were casting for a black model, funny, lighthearted. I'm like, Oh, that's me. Perfect. Right. I'm mm-hmm. young. I was like in my, in my twenties. So I'm not thinking anything. And then I go in there and it's, nobody looks like me. I'm the lightest one walking in with these big ass blue eyes. And I'm like, what's she going to say in this line of like six, like not 600. I'm, Oh, I'm over exaggerating. <laughs> like, but that's how it feels when you see all the girls lined up. There's yeah. probably like 60 girls and you're sitting in line. And I'm like, they don't want me. You know what I mean? So it was that feeling when I was younger of who am I? What am mm-hmm. I? And it took me years to understand who I was and who I am. So I had to find that on my own. And that was my responsibility. Nobody else's. And I was able to really dig deep into myself, my culture, my parents. I had a lot of, a lot of uncomfortable conversations with my parents and I had to look in the mirror and understand that this life is mine Mm -hmm. and it's up to me to define how I'm going to let other people affect me. Yeah. So that was a big shift for me. Yeah, absolutely. Was there kind of a specific moment that sparked that? Like, how did you get to that point? To the shift of like finding myself. Yeah. It was the last breakup I had. Mm. So I had a freaking breakup actually around COVID. Yeah. And this breakup shook the heck out of me because I was on this journey of healing already from a previous love. And I remember getting in this relationship and I looked at him and I said, look, like I dig you because he wanted to be my man. He asked me to be his boyfriend. And I said, but I'm still healing. Like if you can hold space, like, yeah, like we can see what happens. Long story short, we were probably together, I think, like four or five months. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it. And I knew it wasn't it, but I didn't know how to get out of it. And then I ended up getting hurt and losing myself again. I was the queen at that, losing yeah. myself in relationships because I didn't have a sense of self to mm-hmm. begin with. So when he and I broke up, I remember crying, falling into this deep depression. And I was like a fetal position on my bed, bawling. And I called my intuitive because I needed some type of guidance. You know, your girlfriends can tell you he's trash. Like he's this, he's that, like that, but that doesn't matter. What matters are your feelings and how you feel. And in that moment, I felt tired. I felt suicidal. I felt like, why am I here? Like, who am I? I felt like I had no sense of me. But I remember that night I was like, I lived a great life. I've done things people have never done. If I don't wake up tomorrow, I'm okay. Like I've lived, but that was just in that moment. Mm-hmm. It was a temporary feeling of sadness and pain and misery. But I woke up the next day and I was like, I'm here. 
there's a reason why you're here. Now let's find out the reason why you're here. And that was the shifting point for me and wanting to discover myself. And then I realized if I wanted to finally discover who I am, I have to do things that I've never done. Mm. You know, I had to do therapy. I never did therapy before. I did therapy, but with a therapist that wasn't good. Yeah. So I changed therapists and I was in therapy twice a week. I was open. I was vulnerable as tech. I was writing in my journal. I was painting. I would paint every morning colors of how I felt. I have a painting actually I can look at right now and tell you every day how I woke up feeling. And it started off in a black hole because that's what I felt. Yeah. And then I was really, really into workshops and to finding myself worth because I didn't have worth because if you have a sense of self-worth, you would not lose yourself in these relationships. And I was like, I need to find all these things that make me me. Mm. Spending time alone, creating boundaries, shutting all these things out. Cause you know, I'm a people pleaser. I love people. And I've been like that all my life. I do the most. We're givers, women, all of us women are. I know everybody listening. It's like, yeah, I I give. That's what we Mm -hmm. do. We're nurturers. But there's a time where you have to stop and give to yourself. Yeah. And I made that decision in March, April. And I feel like I've just been on a fast track ever since. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel if you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate for having hobbies and learning a new language is an incredible hobby to take up. I've been practicing my French with Babbel and it's been such an effective, engaging way to learn. I took French in high school and college, but I got a little rusty and I wanted to brush up before visiting France earlier this year. And I've been hooked on Babbel ever since because it's helped so much. And you too can make amazing progress with your language learning through Babbel. And that's because Babbel actually works. So instead of paying hundreds of dollars for private classes or playing on apps that are basically glorified games, you can take Babbel's quick 10 minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language as soon as three weeks from now. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and their methods for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, so you're learning things you would actually say, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. It's no wonder why Babbel has sold over 10 million subscriptions because it's real learning for real conversations. And they're offering a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. So you can get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for our listeners at babbel.com slash balanced. Get up to 55% off at babbel.com slash balanced, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash balanced. Rules and restrictions may apply. Like even I, I mean, I haven't like seen you in person in a while, Yeah, but even I can tell a difference. Like I can tell mm-hmm. that you are lit up in a different way, mm-hmm. which is so beautiful to see. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Because I feel new. Like I feel new. I feel like I finally know who I am. And it feels like I can't even express the feeling. It's a relief. Yeah. I love me, finally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Let's talk a little bit more about that and about what that means and what that's meant for you and how you've come to that. Because I think self-love is one of those things where we know how important it is. We know we we should love ourselves or maybe we say we do, but then when it comes down to it, maybe our actions still don't line up. We're in these relationships where it's like, okay, but am I practicing self-love by still being in this space? Or we have these thoughts where it's like, am I practicing self-love by talking to myself this way? Mm-hmm. So how did you know you had like really reached that point of self-acceptance? I remember seeing this term self-love thrown around, right? Mm-hmm. We see it every day. Yep. Everybody's posting about self-love. What the hell is self-love? I even asked a therapist. The episode's actually coming out next week. <laughs> and I said, what is self-love to you? And she couldn't even answer. And I'm thinking to myself, what is self-love? And I think it's different for certain people. It's different because we're all different humans. And for me, self-love is discovering my roots. So like in order to understand my patterns in life, I had to understand what shaped me to do these things that weren't 
loving mm-hmm. and I was doing to myself. So I started from my childhood and it's hard and it's a lot of grieving, right? This process. And I did it with the therapist because for me, talk therapy helps me a lot. And I don't have emotional, intelligent parents. My parents were young and they had me, right? My, my parents were literally kids having kids. Yeah. So I can't really discuss these things with them, but I do eventually when I have enough courage to. So I started in my roots and my question was, why do I keep falling into these toxic relationships? Why do I attract these type of men that are not good to me, that are abusive mentally and physically? Why do I? Why? Mm. So I start asking myself, why? Why don't I have enough self-worth? Why don't I love myself? Why? And then I look at my mom and I look at her mom. Then I look at my dad and I look at his dad and I'm like, wow, my mother's never loved herself. My mother's never known her worth. How could that have been instilled in me as a child if my mother didn't teach me this? And then I go to her mother. My grandmother was in an abusive relationship. I love my grandfather to death, but she was in an abusive relationship And my grandmother survived it. And they were great. They lived together for 55 years. But she didn't have any self-worth, right? And I'm sure her mother and so on and so forth, right? So this is this lineage that I had to discover and be like, it's not my fault. Like, I wasn't actually taught these things. Mm -hmm. But now as an adult, it's up to me to define and discover these things to instill into me. And then you go to my dad. My dad and I had this really interesting relationship because I loved that man, but like he was my basketball coach and we had this love-hate relationship. Mm, He was always yelling at me at the sidelines. He was always super strict on me. I was grounded if a boy called the house. He was just this very, we had this toxic relationship. I used to have a journal about hating him, but I loved him. Like that was my guy, right? And then I think about his dad. My dad's dad was murdered. My father never even had a father figure. So it's like, whoa. Once you start understanding where you come from and your surroundings and your environment, then you can start understanding why you are the way you are. And that's what really started this self-love journey for me. And then I had these uncomfortable conversations with my dad. And I said, dad, dude, I love you to death. You know why why I'm attracted to these type of men? It's because of you. And he apologized and I expressed Mm -hmm. to him my feelings and I cried. Yeah. And it was hard and it was scary, but it was so cool to have him be open to receive because my father has two new daughters now from a new woman and, you know, he'll call me and he'll say, thank you because you're helping me raise these two little ones to be better. And it, it's cool that I can help him in that space, but it was hard, you know, and that helped me understand you're attracted to this thing because that's all, you know, that's all your mother ever knew. That's all your father was to you. Okay, Letitia, it's not your fault. Forgive yourself. Yeah. Forgive yourself. Now understand yourself. Now you got to unlearn all that shit. And it's hard. It's not easy. And it's a lot of tears. It's a lot of questions. It's a lot of guilt and shame. But you have to unlock and face yourself and be like, okay, this is it. So let me, let me go to the next step. Okay, cool. Toxic men. It's because of my dad but how can I understand and get out of this toxic thing? Okay, I was doing a lot of narc research, learning about narcissists. I did a lot of workshops and understanding, right? I also played the victim a lot. So I was like, why do I keep playing this victim? I don't want to be a victim. How do I get out of that space? I did a self-worth workshop with Kelly Kristen. I did all these things to discover me and have a sense of self-worth. And I would go back, I would meditate a lot and be like, when was the first time somebody made me not feel of worth? And why? And I would go deep and I would cry and I would look at myself as that baby and understand, yo, this is where your self-worth started to dwindle. Yeah. A lot of us have been in these environments, in these spaces. And I feel like until you discover your why that you're attracting this or why do I still feel like this? Why? Why? You're going to be blaming it and projecting onto everyone else around you, but it's nobody else's responsibility but yours. Yeah. So for me, self, to get to this point, I did a lot of reflection and deep, deep work. Mm, Oh my goodness. I mean, there's so much that I appreciate about what you shared in that 
not having that judgment of yourself and almost having a sense of curiosity and not judging yourself for being in these patterns or kind of repeating the things that were modeled for you, understanding where that came from and being compassionate with yourself as you unlearned and reprogrammed in new ways. Yeah, Les, because once you become compassionate with self, I have so much compassion for every human being on this planet. I can see through people now. It's like, oh, I understand why. And then guess what? Like the four agreements say from Miguel Ruiz, don't take anything personal. You can't. You can't. And that helped shape my life. I walk differently now through life. I walk differently with boundaries. I only allow certain people around me. My energy is very sacred because I work too damn hard to feel this damn good. And there's nothing that will ever I will ever allow to enter to affect or harm that space. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. Oh, oh, that's so good. Yeah. One of the things that I would love to dive into a little bit more there is your experiences with therapy, which yeah. also you are fully to credit for also getting me back in therapy <laughs> so that our listeners know, like Letitia is the reason why I'm back in therapy. I would love to hear a little bit more about that experience for you because with therapy, it can be really challenging getting back into it, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And, and yeah. you know, you had shared that that was something hard to work through. What was the mm-hmm. process like for you getting into the space of, okay, I can be vulnerable. I can have the open conversations like with this therapist, with this resource to start healing. Well, you have to understand that you can only start healing with a therapist only if you're open. You have to be open. You literally have to be an open heart. I always say that. Like you have to open your heart because the therapist can't get into your heart if it's not open. And that means you're spending money on nothing because Mm -hmm. you're not going to actually have any treatment. When I think of therapy as a treatment and I'm getting treated every week. So if this wound is open, then I can have her go in and fix the wound. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the cool thing with me was I started therapy when I was 31 and I had a therapist where she was cool. I would go in there. She was more like a friend though. I would go in there. I'd talk, but I would leave feeling cool and empowered and good. And when I had that breakup that I talked about earlier, my girlfriend challenged me at lunch one day and she was like, Letitia, I don't feel like your therapist is doing enough work for you. I said, what do you mean? She was like, if you're, you do so much work, you're in therapy every week. You shouldn't be feeling this bad again. And I looked at her and I was like, okay, this is the second time she said it now. I said, she was like, I have another therapist I want you to try. She said, call her, have a consultation. If you like her, go with her. If not, stay with your therapist. And, I was, and I'm open. You have to understand too, your friends and your source, who you're getting this information from. This friend was a specific friend that loves me. I've been riding with her since I was in my 20s. And she always has my best interests. I said, okay, you know, when I called this therapist less, my mind was blown. I remember the first consultation, this woman knew everything about my family. My grandmother, my grandpa, my aunts, my uncles, my dad, my mom, my sisters, my brothers. That's what she wanted first. And then we started talking and I was like, this is it. This is her. So the key to finding a therapist that works for you is so important because my first therapist was just a conversational piece. It was somewhere to go vent. Mm-hmm. It was somewhere to feel empowered. But that wasn't fixing my wound. That was just putting band-aids over my wounds. My new therapist has changed my life. I thank God for her. I thank her every week. And she's able to penetrate me because I'm open. And she even tells me that she says, you're a student. That's the thing. Like you, We have to be willing to learn but we only are able to learn if you can literally let your ego go. You have to let your ego go and you have to be willing to be like, this is me. And I know it sucks and it might be hard. It might be sad, but if I want to heal my wounds, I have to express my wounds and it's truths. Yeah. You know, otherwise you're not going to be healed. The treatment won't work. Absolutely. Oh, it's so true. And I think such a common trap to fall into because we're so used to having to be strong, right? Mm -hmm. For us women, black women, we're so used to having to be strong and hold everything together. Yes. When you you act like everything's together, you can't you can't heal from that. You can't heal from that if you're acting like it's not there. And even being willing to 
you know, talk to somebody who is going to press a little bit because it's uncomfortable. There are plenty of people you can go talk to who will let you vent to them who aren't going to press, but the healing comes from, from getting pressed a little bit. Yes. And you have to press yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you got to really press yourself. Like if you really want to work, cause this work isn't easy. Mm -hmm. You have to press yourself and you have to want this. It's not a walk in the park. Mm -mm. You know, people say they love themselves. And I look at them and I'm like, no, they don't. I can feel it. I know what it takes to actually do the work. And it's hard. It's not easy, but you got to press yourself if you want it. And it's so freeing. It's the best feeling. And I want to add something too, Les, which is, mm-hmm. I think it's such a powerful thing you just said. Black women, you know, we do always have to be strong, right? We have this facade where we have to be strong and hold it together for our family, for everything, for everyone. I would see this with my grandmas. And I'd see them, none of them were married. They all had at least five more kids, different fathers, no men there. My grandmas would run the house. And I would be like, how the heck are they doing this? Yep. And now I look back, I wish my grandma was still alive, but she's not. And that generation is also different, right? Because they were taught by their other mothers to stay in the home, take care of the kids, do the things, especially a black woman. It was a different type of idea. So to be strong, you were the matriarch. To not have feelings, to tell people you got this. But I wish I could tell my grandma, like, what do you need? Like, let yep. me help you. Yep. Because it is okay to, we need help. We yep. all need help. We all need support. You know, so this, this shell, this hard shell we put on is from our lineage. But it's up to us to break that lineage and it's us to open up and to be like, yes, I'm strong as hell, but I also need help and I also Mm -hmm. need support and I also need love because you do when you deserve that. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Uh, I have, honestly, I've been thinking very similar things. My, with my grandmother's super similar dynamic and they're both no longer here. And I've had very similar thoughts. I've lately, my granny has just been coming to me so much in dreams. Mm -hmm. Like every night I've been seeing her in dreams and hearing her voice. And so much of what's happening in my dreams is me just asking her more questions, asking Mm -hmm. her if she's okay, asking her how she's doing it. Um, It's just so similar. Like when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's literally how I feel. That's beautiful. And keep asking less. Yeah. When I meditate, pff, last week I was I was bawling in the bath because my grandma came to me. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother died of AIDS. She was 35. Mm. And my, my dad had to pull the cord on her. And I asked her all these questions. And I remember just bawling in the bath. Yeah. But then feeling so proud of her and everything that she was due to her circumstances and what she was grown up in and what she had and what she didn't have. And that woman was so fearless. And I, that's why I'm fearless. She did. My grandma was wild. Like the stories I hear from her, (laughs) she's wild. And I'm like, that's where my wild come from. Like I, I thank God for my grandma, you know? Yeah. But I think it's so cool. Keep asking your grandma all the questions because it'll open you up. Yep. And there's so much wisdom there. And I think our, you know, our ancestors, those previous generations, we are getting to do so much that they didn't get to do. Even these conversations where we're able to talk about focusing on ourselves for them, so much was about survival. Yes. And we're in this space where, yes, we all think about survival, but there's so much more available to us where we have so many more opportunities to thrive. and. I think about that so much of like, man, if my granny would have been born mm. 50 years later and was my age now and had that talent and that sass and that wit that she had, how would she be rocking it right now? And that's mm. how I try to approach situations. That's so cool. That gives me chills. Like, <laughs> Imagine all our grannies together. That would be so dope right now. Right. Yeah. Yes. Just like that talent and that just all of that that they had, if they if they would have been able to use that during a time where there was more available to them, like what could have happened? Yes, because we have the tools. Yeah. We women now in 2020, we have the tools and it's accessible, but you have access them and our grandmas didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So it's up to us to step into our power for them. 
Yes. And I don't take that shit light. And I, and now knowing my power and knowing the type of women that were in my lineage, there's that quote that's going around that says it's up to you to break like the ancestral lineage or whatever mm-hmm. on Instagram. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I don't know what verbatim. Yeah. yeah. When I saw that, I was like, you're damn right. Like I'm about to break all of this ancestral trauma that my, mm-hmm. all the women in my family has had. All of it. Yep. With pride and with courage and unapologetically too. Yeah. That's how I feel. 100%. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love it so much. Yeah. I would also love to talk to you about community. So for listeners who may not know, Letitia has an amazing podcast called Girl, We Got This. You have to listen. It's incredible. I actually just today listened to your new episode. Um, had me in my feelings a little bit yeah. of the girl he got us. So I was just kind yeah. of like, oh, I was, I was a little, I try not to use the word triggered, um, but yeah. you know. Whatever the alternative is to that, I felt a little bit, of that. <laughs> but it was so good because your conversations are just so real. It's exactly what we need to hear from a friend. And like I said, when I met you, I was definitely so struck by how genuine you are. And there's so many people who talk a lot about women empowerment. It can be mm-hmm. kind of a trendy thing. People build brands or whatever around it. And that's, that's still not what they're doing. But what I appreciate about what you're doing is it is truly genuine community and empowerment. And I'm curious where that started for you. You know, have you always been someone who builds community and someone who is such a supporter of women? Did that happen over time? Where did that come from? Yeah, well, it wasn't a linear thing. So I actually just discovered this uh, a couple of weeks ago because I talked about it with my therapist. So one side of it is I was always playing sport. So I was always a part of the sisterhood of girls. Mm-hmm. My squad, like I love girls. Like growing up, like we all was on the team. Like we all played our roles. We all won games. We all lost games. We would cry. We'd go eat pizza after. So women for me was always my refuge. You know, I know how to win championships with women. I know how to go undefeated with women. Like women to me are the most powerful beings on planet earth, period. I don't care what anybody has to say. And there was a time in my life during my twenties when I was in a different world, in a different space. And I was exposed to this toxic feminine side of women where, you know, I was in more of like a public figure light and I started to hate women because the women in that environment weren't like me. They weren't supportive. They weren't empowering. They weren't there to help you. They were there fakely for other reasons. They wanted your man. It was like deceit and it was mean. And it was like mean girls. And I'll never forget one time I was like, why are these girls so mean? And I was like, this isn't me. The space isn't my space, but it was because my choice. I chose to be in this toxic space. So yes, I'm going to be exposed to toxic people, but that's wasn't who I was. So I lost myself in my twenties. And I realized this isn't Letitia. Like, you got to get back to Letitia. So when I got out of that toxic space, I moved to LA and again, depressed, sad, starting over from literally scratch at 30. And I was like, so stuck in bed some days. And I remember telling myself, I got this. Like, I got this. I got this. And I went and pitched my podcast to podcast one at the time. And I said, girl, we got this. That's what I want my podcast to be because we got this. And for me, it was women that always had me, like all my lowest lows, my sister had me, my mom had me, you know, my girlfriend Camille had me. And I knew like some things I can't do alone. Actually, everything that was bigger than me, I can't do alone. I need help. I need help. I am superwoman, but I am superwoman times 10 when I have my squad with me. So Girl We Got This was born because of that, because one, I know I knew how it felt to not have a voice, and I wanted to give every woman a voice. And two, I wanted to create real sisterhood, not this fake shit, like you were saying, like this mm-hmm. trendy ideal. I was like, that's not it. And I would go to these conferences, and I would speak at places, and I'd be like, they're not who they portray themselves to be. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's fake. And I could see through it. And I was like, that's not how I rock. Like, I'm who I am, and who you see is who exactly what I am. There's no filters here. And that's what led me to girl, we got this. So when I have a conversation with you, I'm having a real conversation with you. I'm not giving you questions ahead of time. I'm not, you know, filtering anything. I want you just to be you freely and flow. 
So that was a sisterhood aspect that I wanted to create with Girl We Got This. And that's how that was created. But with my therapist, Les, the other day, she challenged me a bit and she was like, you know, because the podcast is like my heart work. Like, mm-hmm. Girl We Got This is, I would do this every day for the rest of my life and be content with my life without making a dollar from it. Because I get so much feedback and love from it, right? Women, we need this. We need community now more than ever for the rest of our lives. And my therapist said, do you think you created Girl We Got This because you didn't feel empowered by a woman? Like you've never really felt empowered by a woman. And I looked at her and I said, yeah. Mm. I said, yeah, because during that time in my 20s, I did not feel empowered by women. So you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to empower women. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we do things that we want, that we actually desire. Yep. And I was like, yo, yeah, she gave me chills. I, I just got chills too. And I was like, yeah, I didn't feel empowered by women. So I wanted to empower them. Yep. Mm. Creating what it is you want to see. Yes. Yes. So that's how Girl We Got This was born. Yeah. Which is amazing. Like I, like I said, y'all will have to listen to the podcast. We'll link it in the show notes because it is really such a good show. The conversations are just, they're so real. They're so relatable. I always, I feel like you ask questions that I'm always thinking. (laughs) And so it's like conversations where, you know, I felt like if I were there with the person, like you're asking what I would want to know. And it's something that I so appreciate as a listener. Thank you. Thank you. I'm look, we are the, like, I always say we're sisters. Like we are sisters here. Like all of us on this platform, all of us in this human form, in this lifetime. Now we're sisters. We're not here to compete. We're not here to disempower like each other we're here to love each other and help each other and support each other and it's up to us to do it 100 percent. and i think there's just so much power in genuinely supporting one another Mm -hmm. there's so much power in that and i think the desire to not is just rooted in so much scarcity it's the idea that we can't all be winning together that we and that's just not true it's blatantly untrue like we can yes one hundred thousand percent less and you know what a lot of it comes down to patriarchy mm-hmm. there's this really good book called all about love by bell hooks mm-hmm. i think everybody read and she really talks about how this patriarchal system really started this competition amongst women yeah right this fight this nastiness, you know, the idea of gossip. She even Mm -hmm. talked about the idea of gossiping becomes like this negative tone. But back in the day, gossip was the only way women could be heard because women never had a voice. Mm -hmm. So men, man, whoever created this idea that, oh, they gossip. That's all women do is gossip, like a negative thing. And like, it's a negative connotation. No, it's not. We talk. That's how we talk. That's how Mm -hmm. we learn. That's how we grow. Gossip doesn't always have to be have negative connotations. It's a society that, that put that on there, the patriarchal system, to make us women feel like we're doing bad things by mm-hmm. talking. Because y'all men don't want to talk. That's not our problem. We like to talk about our And feelings. they do. They gossip. Listen. Girl, they gossip men are messy AF, okay? <laughs> yeah. They're so messy trying to cause, yeah. Yo, I feel like they're worse <laughs> than us, too. They are. <laughs> yeah, Les. Like, I'd be seeing some of their group chats from my homeboys, and I'd be like, that's how y'all really talk? <laughs> I feel like we don't even do that. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's true. It's true. But I, I do, I think that it is so important. I love that you brought up the point of that element of competition being rooted in patriarchy, because I think so much of those things that we see and the tensions that we feel are rooted in things like patriarchy, white supremacy, all of these things. And I think what we're seeing is so many people are realizing this and are starting to ask questions about why we believe the certain things that we believe. Mm. And we're starting to, to start to have really honest conversations about those systems and the way that they impact all of us. And yes. those conversations are hard, but they're super, it's necessary to call that out. Yeah, we have to. We have to be the change, which is cool. Yeah. It is messed up that when women talk, it's called gossip. No, mm. stop that. Stop putting us against each other. Stop mm-hmm. comparing who wore it better. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Stop these got like stop. Like there's so many things in the, in the media that forces us women to feel like we have to do this or we have to do that. It's this. It's disgusting. It disgusts me actually. 
you know, but a lot of the people viewing this doesn't know that it's a forced issue, that it's a patriarchal yeah. thing. You know, we have to educate people. So like platforms like this, less like I'm thankful for. You start putting these ideas in, in women's heads, the listeners' heads to understand what patriarchy and the things that it, they've caused. And it's mm-hmm. messed up, mm-hmm. especially on the black woman. It's crazy. Oh, I mean, yeah, we experience it from all sides because we yes. have the sexism, we have the racism, we have, you know, every which angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's up to us to stand up and it's for, up to us to use our voice and it's up to us to question why. Mm-hmm. Be the change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. And to just be like, nah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like straight up. No. I'm not okay with this. Yes. I'm not doing this and I don't have to do this. Period. Exactly. With no explanation. Exactly. Oh, I could not agree more. I love that <laughs> yeah. so much. So I have so appreciated this conversation. I would love to talk a little bit more about where you're at right now with self-love. We talked about a lot of the experiences that led you kind of through your journey of healing. And now that you are kind of in this new place and none of us are ever fully healed, right? It's always a journey for all of us always, but you're in this place where you have learned and gained so much. So Mm -hmm. what does self-love look like for you now? And and what does taking care of yourself look like for you now? So self-love for me, it's mind, body, soul, Mm -hmm. right? So first it's my mind. I have to understand my mind and control my ego. Self-love for me is letting my ego go. But when that insidious ego does come, I, I talk to it. I talk to myself often. And it's the best gift. I don't, people be looking at you like you're crazy. No, you need to talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. You talk to all your girlfriends. You need to talk to yourself. Like we need to take our own advice mm-hmm. more than half the time. <laughs> and I literally, that's how, that's where it starts in my mind is understanding my ego and my insidious ego, which usually would used to lead me to depressions. I, I'm able to differentiate it. I'm able to really stop myself when the bad thoughts come when the sad thoughts come and say no this isn't me this is temporary like this isn't you like stop um meditation helps me with that and a lot of breath work helps me with that so that's my self-love with my mind my body i move every day at least an hour like i go on my walks less you and i still have to go on our walk by the way yeah i didn't walk today i did yoga today my boyfriend actually He's on the Nike training app. It's Mm -hmm. it's the free app, the Nike training club app. And there's dope programs. Like there's yoga, um, there's sprinting things. There's all these things that you can do at home. And I I do that for my body. You have to take care of your body. You have to eat good. You got to take care of your body. I take baths. I try to take baths three times a week and I make them so beautiful. I put my salts and my flowers (laughs) and my bubbles and all the things because- you're a queen. I'm a queen. Like I want to treat myself as a queen. So Mm. anybody that comes into my life understands like, this is how you need to treat me. This is how I treat myself because I know my worth finally. Mm -hmm. So my body is very, very sacred to me. It's my temple. It's my vessel. And every night I lay my head down to sleep, I swear, I thank myself. My girlfriend heard me the other night when we were in Catalina Island. She was like, did you thank yourself last night? I said, yeah, I thank myself every night. I thank my body. I thank my vessel. I thank my vessel for holding me through these days because some days are hard to get Mm -hmm. through. So thank yourself and have gratitude. And then soul. Soul is the last part. And self-love for that means therapy. That means writing in my journal. That means doing things that make me happy and saying no to things that I do not want to do. Creating boundaries understanding that this life is meant to be lived. This life is meant to be full of love. This life is meant to be for you. All the negative stuff is not there. It's up to you to rise above it and understand, right? That it's, that's not life. That's not why God put you on this earth. So for me, it's really coming into soul and soul is self. Soul also is a lot of meditation. I love sound baths too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get yes. really deep into sound baths yes, and it, it opens me portals. Like, and I just, I, I get actually a lot of contact with my ancestors too less when mm-hmm. I do sound baths. Mm-hmm. My grandpa always comes up, my grandma, but yeah, that's what I do to love myself. I take oh. care of me first. I put myself first. I put my feelings first. I communicate how I feel and I own that. I'm not responsible for his or her feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm only responsible for me. And then I give off that. And it's crazy because the more I love myself, 
the more I can love you, the more I can love my man, the more I can love my mom, Mm -hmm. the more I have compassion for everybody too around me. 100%. And you just find yourself in this flow. And I feel like I'm in this flow right now. I'm just flowing. But don't get it twisted. I still have bad days. I still, my ego, my insidious ego will still get to me. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm human. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. Yeah. And I'll be a student to this game forever. But to be here for the first time in my life feels really damn good. Ugh, I just am like, uh, so much about that makes me so happy. Just how holistic that is that you're really tending to your mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. And just this idea of caring for yourself, caring for others in flow, because I think we've all had experiences where we're not in flow and we're just putting everything and everyone above ourselves. And we think Mm -hmm. that's being selfless and we think that's love. And I don't know about you, but the times that I was doing that, I was so resentful and not very loving and honestly, not that kind. Like I was doing Mm -hmm. things out of obligation. I was resenting people that I said that I cared about. Right. But when you're coming from a place of just holistic love, your basic needs are cared for, you're just, you're already whole, Mm -hmm. you're able to love others so much deeper when you have that yourself. You're so right. Your intention is pure. Your intention is full of love. Your intention is of gratitude. So yeah, you flow differently. That selfless word, I hate that word. I remember I used to honor my mom for being selfless when I was younger, but then I'm like, no, my mom never had sense of self. I feel so bad for my mom. Yeah. She was probably exhausted. Yeah. She sacrificed her entire life. My mother never had a life Yeah, until now. You know, she's 50, which is dope. And it's cool because it's so cool to see her learn herself and to yeah. become self. But mm-mm, I'm full of self actually, mm-hmm. you know, and when my cup is full, I get to pour in your cup. Happily and freely, so we can freaking pour over together. That's what it should be. It's true. I think of, I mean, and maybe this is just like COVID. I haven't done anything in so long, but I think of like if you go out with your friends, you don't want to share one margarita. You want a pitcher for everybody to pull up and have, you know what I mean? To pour everybody. You don't want to have five girlfriends sipping one margarita. You want like to be flowing for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. This is me saying I miss margaritas with my friends. I don't know where that no, analogy came bad. from, but <laughs> you want that stuff to be pouring over. You literally want the margarita to be dripping. Yes. And everybody to be dripping with you. That's such a good analogy. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it shows where my head is at. <laughs> yeah, you deserve it. You deserve it. <laughs> I could not. Um, so wait, one more thing I want to circle back to you because you yeah. mentioned um, your breath work and your meditation, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you have resources that you like to go to? Do you have breath work teachers? Are you doing, are you finding it on YouTube? Like where yeah. are these meditations? I can suggest um, two things that I love. Insight yeah. timer for guided love. meditations. I love them. I love them. The, the teacher there that really blew my mind was Sarah Blondin. This woman, she shifted me and she actually has an audio book that I listen to every day on my walks called heart minded. And it allows us to get back to our heart, right? We become so hard with all the shit we go into. We don't need him. We don't want him. We don't need this. We don't, we don't need him. No, bro. That's because we're so hard. We get mm-hmm. mad. That's what the world, that's what society wants you to be. But that's not what God wants you to be. Mm. You have to lead with your heart and live with your heart. And that's hard. Vulnerability is strength. People mm-hmm. forget that. Being soft is so damn powerful. Yes. You know, so heart-minded, insight timer, breath work. Um, my homegirl, Milana, changed my life. She shifted me twice. Milana Snow. Mm-hmm. I go to her for breath work. And my girlfriend, Elmira Lilic. She does a lot of sound baths and breath work. We do it together. There's one breath work that I do every day. I can share with your listeners um, to call in prosperity, to call in love, to call in, you know, your, your feelings of what you want from the universe. You do five in, five out. So you just get in the space, you get quiet and you breathe in for five, five times and you breathe out five for five times and just let yourself focus on that breath. And I start every morning like that. It just recenters you. It sets you up. And then mm-hmm. I just, I flow. And during the days, if I get riled up with work, like today I had a day, I've been, I've been going nonstop. I'll stop and I'll breathe. Brandon, my boyfriend actually taught me this to relax. You breathe in four and out eight. So you breathe in four, four times, mm-hmm. out eight. 
And then you do that 13 times. So sometimes I do that when I can't sleep or like if a business deal goes bad and I get mad and frustrated, I have to like stop myself and slow down and I go, I'll do four in, eight out 13 times. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. Amazing. We'll have that information linked in the show notes because those are incredible resources. Amazing. So before we depart today, there's also a huge thing that I have to ask you about. Yeah. Huge huge thing. (laughs) Um, We can't end this interview without talking a little bit about curly hair and dress. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be doing my job if we didn't. I love you. I appreciate you so much, girl. I mean, our curls. Do you remember straightening your hair less? Oh, I did. I, I just stopped straightening my hair two years ago. Wow. I was 25 when I stopped straightening my hair. And I just remember finally being obsessed with my curls mm-hmm. and being like, yo, the dudes loved it too. I remember in college, like, I was like, oh, y'all like curly hair. Mm-hmm. I like, oh, I was getting like all this attention from my curls. And then I started modeling with my curls. I didn't even know how beautiful my uniqueness, my texture was because our society does not celebrate us black women in our texture. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, there aren't products made for us by us. And I could never wear a fitted baseball hat. I would try to rush to get to places and throw on a fitted hat and that shit would be so pushed up against my forehead. It would be disgusting. I'd have to straighten my hair or like brush it down mad tight just to fit a fitted on. And I was sick of it. So when I was 28, my, the guy I was dating at the time always rushing me. And I remember I grabbed the hat and the shit did not fit. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to make a hat. He looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I'm going to make a hat for us. I literally said that I'm gonna make a hat for us. And I did. It took me three years. I made tress. Tress means a long lock of hair. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm gonna make a hat for us that protects our hair, that is functional for our hair, and is cute. Like I wanna look cute when I wear my hair and I wanna look cute when I take it off. Yep. So I designed it specifically tress. It's satin lined, it's a higher crown for our hair, and there's three elastics in the back, so we don't need the hair ties. Um, it sits perfectly high off our neck. And Tress is my baby. That's my, that's my heart. It, Tress is made for us. We need more accessories made for us, for our texture, for our hair. I'd be damned if my nieces straighten their hair. When I go home, we have curl parties every time. <laughs> I make sure they're taking care of their curls. And they always have my hats on. Yeah. Because we're it. so damn beautiful. Yes. We're so damn beautiful in our natural state. Absolutely. It's- it's wild how beautiful we are. We have to start embracing it and enjoying it. And people need to, we need to keep creating products for us. Yep. So that's what Tress is. Tressforus.com. That's my heart and soul right there. It's for Amazing. us. Period. That's so good. We'll make sure that yeah. we link to Tress in the show notes, but I could not agree more. I feel like when I stopped straightening my hair, I felt an energy shift that was mm-hmm. unlike anything before my whole energy, my entire demeanor just completely, completely shifted. And wow. it was, it's something that it's like so hard to explain unless people have had that experience and yeah. done it. I agree. You unlock. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, it's kind of like that. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like Oh shit. This is me. Exactly. This is me. That's yes. another part of self-discovery. Yeah. Yo, I don't, I actually hate myself with my, I don't even, I don't hate myself. I'll take the H word back. I just <laughs> like myself straight. I don't even like straightening my, I hate straightening my curls. I hate it. I haven't done it in so long, but I will every once in a while, like an old picture will pop up of back when I used to. And I'm like, whoa, I, I mean, I straighten my hair constantly. I had straight hair only from the age of nine to 29. Wow. So, most of my life. I mean, most pictures and things of me are with straight hair. And even when I see it, I like don't recognize myself. It was 20 years and I still, I'm like, oh yeah. Wow. So different. (laughs) That's crazy. Where you, where'd you grow up? Seattle. Was there a lot of white white people where you live? Yes. Um, there were not in my immediate neighborhood, but in the general, the general kind of makeup of the area. Yeah, Yeah. It's very white. I grew up in a white town too. And I never saw curly hair. Mm-hmm. I never saw anything. And then I remember like seeing TV. We never saw curly hair on TV. Definitely not in magazines. So yeah, it makes sense that we were straight in our damn hair because oh, yeah. we were told we weren't celebrated. 
that was just what you did. That's what everybody did. And I know like my mom would straighten her hair. So I saw her straighten her hair. So I wanted to do it too. That was just, it was a rite of passage. Yes. Yes. No, but then you get to unlearn these things and to discover your beauty and to have that choice. You have the power of choice, which is so damn cool because a lot of our ancestors didn't have the power of choice Mm -hmm. that we have, but we do. I'm so glad you got beautiful curls too. And they're so long and full. Thank you. I know they've been hiding lately, but I'm going to bring them. I'm going to bring them back out soon. Girl, mine's in a bun too. Don't worry. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It is. So that's, I mean, but that's the beauty of Tress though, is that like, I love my curls, but I'm not doing a wash and go every day. And sometimes I want to throw on a hat to take a walk or to go to the store and to be able to do that, that actually fits my head and and doesn't mess me up for the rest of the week is, is so clutch. I can't recommend Mm -hmm. the hats enough. Thank you so much, Les. I got to send you more too. Oh, thank you. So Leticia, what does being a balanced Black girl mean to you? Ooh, being a balanced Black girl to me means honoring all of myself being unbalanced and finally stepping into what balance looks like to me, which is loving myself caring for myself, putting myself first, helping my sisters, and providing a platform for all of the women in my life. That's what a balanced Black girl means to me. I love it. Just boom. Leticia, how can our audience keep in touch with you? Where can we find your podcast? Like, Where can folks learn more about you? Totally. First of all, thank you all for listening. I appreciate all of you. Your community is so dope less. So thank you to everybody listening. You can follow me at, my personal account is at Leticia.Roll. Um, I share a lot more of like my modeling um, stuff there, but like in my captions, I share my truths and what I'm going through. My podcast is called Girl, We Got This. It's on all podcast platforms. And the Instagram there, it'll have daily empowerment and I'll show the videos and all that good stuff. It's at girlwegotthis.co.co. And yeah, the hats are at tressforus.com. And that's me, guys. Follow the journey. I'm here for you always. If you have any questions, reach out to me. I got you. So good. We'll have all of that linked in the show notes. So it's super easy to find. Thank you so much for being here, Leticia. Thank you for having me. This was awesome, Les. This was so good. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I hope this conversation helped inspire you on your own personal self-care and well-being journey. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and head to balanceblackworld.com for show notes and more information. If you'd like more support finding your balance, join our private membership community for self-care tools, exclusive content, and more. Visit balancedblackgirl.com slash community for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to share it with a friend. Thanks so much for tuning in.